Welcome to the Harbor Church Podcast. Harbor is here to connect people with Jesus and with each other. If you're looking to get connected, you can find more info at harborchurch.com. Now here's this week's message from Pastor Josh. Hey, good morning, Harbor Church. Man, it is a little bit different uh, speaking to it a mostly empty auditorium. Uh, I've got a, a few people that are going to let me have a little bit of feedback this morning, but I know most of you are tuning in online, checking us out that way, or uh, maybe you're listening to the podcast. Either way, my name is Josh Adams. I'm the pastor of Harbor Church, and uh, I am, I'm actually really excited about today. Uh, and if, I, if I'm completely honest, I was a little bit bummed, and uh, my kind of personality, I know some of you are similar, like, hey, no, let's just do it. Let's just go. Let's have church. Let's meet. Let's make this happen. And uh, I realized that that's not what God was calling us to do today, that today we're going to do something a little bit different. And uh, I hope that it's still exciting for you. I hope that you're enjoying just kind of uh, resting there at your house or maybe hanging out with some friends. As we dive into our Fixer Upper series, we're going into the fourth week as we are going to talk about problems. And uh, I thought it was a fitting, <laughs> fitting time that this week we're going to talk about when things go wrong. And I was looking at it from a construction standpoint, but uh, obviously on a spiritual application, this whole series is about letting God renovate our life, redesign, remodel our hearts and what if we just give him permission to do a work in our life? Well, if we're going to talk about that kind of stuff, we have to talk about when it goes wrong, when, when the, the crap hits the fan, when the corona hits the streets. I don't know, I don't know how to say that, but you, you get the point. What, how do you respond when it's not what you want it to be? If you've done a project, you've probably seen a project go wrong. I don't know very many people that can get into something, even if it's just painting a room without coming across some kind of a, a hiccup or a headache. Um, one of the things they told us in Bible college is when you do marital counseling, to always encourage the, the couple looking to get married to um, go do a project like paint a room or remodel something. And just, just say, hey, that's, that's some of the best counseling you'll get is to try to do something together because inevitably something's going to break. Many of you helped uh, Harbor Church uh, remodel two old barns, the, the old pet store that was Cape Maid Farms, and turn it into a church. And uh, if you were a part of that, we thought it would take us six months, and it took two years because you keep running into to, to setbacks. I want to talk about a setback in the Bible, and then I, what I would like to do today in the time that we have together is reference what that looks like when we have setbacks. So if we can, we'll go, you can use a Bible at home if you don't have one. Well, I'm going to have Bobby put the, the verses on the bottom of the screen so you can follow along that way. But I'm going to reference a story from the Old Testament, and it's found in, in the book of Numbers. And um, the, the, the story that we're picking up on, maybe you've heard it, maybe you haven't. There's a guy named Moses, and his job was to get the, the children of Israel, the nation of Israel, all of these people that have been slaves for hundreds of years, in Egypt. He's going to pull them out of slavery. God tells him, hey, I don't want my people in slavery anymore. Lead them out of slavery. Lead them to the promised land. If you read the book of Exodus, that's all of the plagues and Moses getting the children of Israel out of Egypt. But the, the following chapters, the, the Numbers, Leviticus, Deuteronomy, Joshua, that's about the, the people of Israel coming into the promised land and, and taking the promised land. They've heard about this place that God has, has given them. They've heard about this land that, that God wants them to, to occupy that was his promise to their ancestors, to Abraham and to Jacob. And uh, now they're, they're, they're on their way. They actually show up at the edge of the promised land. And then Moses says, hey, rather than all of us go in, I'm going to send some spies. I'm going to send some guys in to do some reconnaissance. 
And what he does is he picks one guy from each tribe, and there was 12 tribes for the, for the nation of Israel. And so he sends 12 guys in to scout the area. You can read about that in Numbers chapter 13 in the first half. I just want to get to their report. And it says this in Numbers chapter 13, verse number 27. This was their report to Moses. We entered the land that you sent us to explore, and it is indeed a bountiful country. You guys got to remember that God told them it was going to be a land flowing with milk and honey. He promised them it would be a great place to settle down. Here is the kind of fruit it produces. And if you read earlier in the chapter, they cut down a cluster of grapes. The grapes, the fruit would grow so big that they had one cluster of grapes that they had to carry on a pole between two guys. That's how big. You got to imagine a big pile of grapes that big. So that the land was definitely fruitful. And so they, they bring that in and, and they, they show that off. This is the kind of fruit it produces. And so they've, they've given all the good stuff, and then 28 is where it changes. And notice how it changes. Verse number 28. But the people living there, and they go on, and they'll, they'll, they're going to explain a problem. And I just kind of want to stop for a second. There's always a but. Sometimes it's a big but. Sometimes it's a little but. I know some of you are thinking Sir Mix a lot. Um, there's, there's, there's always a problem, though, isn't there? You, you get halfway there, and then all of a sudden... But you got to do this. How many times were we trying to get this building open? It was like, yeah, yeah, that's good. But you got to add this piece over here. But that's not quite right. A lot of times in our life, we are called to take the promised land. We're called to do something for God. We're called to be the kind of men and women that would bring glory to God. And we're on that path. We see the potential. We hear a message. We read our Bible. Somebody gives us an inspirational verse. God speaks into our heart. Maybe you're listening to a song while you're driving around. You're going there, and, 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 and you're, you're on track, but, but, but what? But... I'd rather do this. Now, you fill in the blank for where you're at. I know I'm supposed to be a good student, but it's easier to slack and maybe cheat off my, somebody else's paper. I, I know I'm supposed to love my spouse, but they're kind of being a turd today, and that person looks cute over there. I'm supposed to work hard, but nobody else at work is working hard. Now, what is it that God would rather us do? We find a lot of reasons to stop fighting the good fight. We find a lot of reasons to stop doing the thing we're supposed to do. But that's not what God has called us to. He hasn't called us to freak out. Well, God, said he, God says he's in control, and God says he's got a plan, and God says that we can trust him, but everybody else is watching the news and freaking out. But everybody else is punching their neighbor in the face for a roll of toilet paper, but everybody else is panicking and, and, and doesn't know what to do. Yes, that makes sense for people who don't know God, but if you know God, if you have a relationship, if you've invited Jesus in, then you don't have to be the way that everybody else is. You don't have to live in that panic. You don't have to have that but the bad guys thing. This is what the rest of the verse says. It says they look at it and they go, but the people living there are powerful this is the, the spies reporting that we got to the land. The land has all the potential that God told us it would. The land has all the things that God told us it would, it would give us. It would, it's going to be a great place. Remember, they've been slaves for 430 years, 
And now they get a chance to have their own land. And it's not just some crappy land out in the middle of nowhere. This is land flowing with milk and honey. This is land that's fertile. This is land where they can raise their families and settle down. But, but the people that are living there are powerful and their towns are large and they're fortified. And we even saw giants that are living there, the descendants of Anak. The Amalekites live in the Negev, the Hittites, Jebusites, Amorites in the hill country. The Canaanites live along the coast of the Mediterranean Sea and all along the Jordan Valley. So there are some of the, the spies that come back and they just want to focus on the negative. There's two good spies, ten bad spies. If you grew up in Sunday school, you might have heard a song about that. But out of the twelve tribes, ten of those guys only one to talk about the things that were bad. It says here in verse 30, but Caleb tried to quiet the people. Caleb and Joshua are the only two spies that saw the potential and didn't see the problem. We talked about that out a couple weeks ago. They saw the potential. They said, Caleb tries to quiet the people as he stood before Moses. He said, hey, let's go at once and take the land. We can certainly conquer it. We don't have to be afraid of these giants. And then 31, guess what it starts with? But, good answer, but the other men had explored, who had explored the land with him, they disagreed. We can't stand up against the giants. They're stronger than we are. So they spread a bad report. I just want you to understand what's happening here. Listen to this. They were afraid, so their response to somebody who says, I'm going to trust God, let's trust God, their response is, no, 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 and that says they spread a bad report, almost like clickbait. They go around saying, the land around, the, the, around us is, that we've traveled through and explored will devour anyone who goes there. All the people we saw were huge. Everybody was huge. Now, that's not true. There were a few giants. It wasn't everybody. It was just a few. Most of the people weren't. But, of course, when they tell the story, everybody's a giant. And then it says, the, the descendants of Anak, next to them, we, we felt like grasshoppers. And that's what they thought, too. Now, they've gone from giving a report to giving conjecture and giving their opinion, and now they've begun to spin it into this big thing where they said, oh, wow, uh, we look like grasshoppers. They went from being two or three feet shorter than those guys, than an average six-foot man having to do battle against a nine-foot guy. Yeah, that's, that's big, and that's, that's tough, and that's what most of the giants were, were somewhere probably in the nine-foot-tall range. And now they've gone from that to, we were like grasshoppers, they're, they're hundreds of feet taller than us. And not only that, but now all of a sudden the other spies knew what the giants were thinking. We thought we looked like grasshoppers, and they thought we looked like grasshoppers to them. Were you mind readers? But it's, it, it would be funny if it wasn't so true of, of mankind, with, of humanity, if, if this wasn't so indicative of not just today with all the stuff that we're reading and all the stuff that we're seeing, but also with... Maybe our spiritual walk. And here's what I'd like you to think about. Maybe even talk amongst yourselves when we're done. How many times do we take a, a, a truth? There, there is a truth. There is an enemy. The Bible says that there's an enemy that's looking to devour us. The Bible says that we're at war against principalities and powers. The Bible says that there is negative stuff happening around us. It's, 
Coronavirus didn't surprise God. The negative stuff going on in the world didn't surprise God. The, 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 the financial troubles you're going through doesn't surprise God. The, the flat tire you got didn't surprise God. The, the doctor's diagnosis didn't surprise God. He's not, he's not unaware. He didn't fall off his throne. He's not asleep. He knows what's going on. The question is, are you going to really trust him? And if you don't trust him, don't be surprised if you don't begin to embellish the negative. How many of us have embellished the negative thing when we're in the middle of a project, we're trying to do the right thing, and then we hit a wall? Oh, oh you know what? Uh, we, we're going to repair this thing, but there's termite damage. The whole house is done. Well, is it the whole house, or is it just, just a little bit of rot in this one room? But in the moment of negativity, in the moment of pain or frustration, we're ready to scrap the whole project. We're ready to be done with everything. Well, God, I tried to walk away from my addiction, and, and then I fell back into it, and I gave back into it, and so I'm, I'm, I'm helpless. I'm, I'm, I'm doomed to forever be addicted to this. No, no, no. That's not what God says. That's what we say. That's how we embellish the bad. And then that, that gives us permission to just sit down and, and stay there. That's not what God's called us to. Remember, in 2 Timothy chapter 4, it, he, he's, he's, this is Paul writing to his protege, Timothy, He's saying, hey, at the end of your life, you, you want to be able to, to, to know that you did a good job, that you didn't just quit. He says, he says I, I fought the good fight. I have finished the race. I've remained faithful. Verse number eight, now the prize awaits me, the crown of righteousness, which the Lord, the righteous judge, will give me on the day of his return. And the prize is not just for me, it's for all of those who eagerly look to his appearing. This is what Paul is talking about. He's talking about the idea of continuing to fight even though you get knocked down. He's talking about the fact that you don't give up just because it gets tough. You don't give up just because you don't get the thing, you don't hear what you want to hear. And unfortunately, that's what happens to the people around us. You may have a family member or a friend that has given up because they got some tough news. What they need from you is not one more person that goes, oh yeah, it's tough, this sucks, this is, this, woe is us. They need somebody, they, they need to see somebody who goes, hey, we can go on past this. Yeah. Caleb and Joshua didn't deny that there were giants. They're not naive. I think it's stupid for somebody to go, oh, there's no problem. Yeah, there is a problem. There is a problem. Whether it's the coronavirus or whether it's, it's termites in the house project you're working on or it is the fact that your marriage isn't as healthy as it should be or it is the fact that, that you, you really are struggling with, with a bad habit or it is, stop living in denial. I'm not saying be, be oblivious to the negative. We, the Bible goes to a lot of lengths to tell us there's a lot of bad. It's not about ignoring it. It's about acknowledging the fact that it's there but that your God is bigger. Don't... don't don't set the wrong example for people around you by pretending that like, oh, no, I don't see any giants. Let's just go. Now they think you're stupid and naive. But you, to acknowledge the giants doesn't mean that you have to live in the same fear that they live in. Can, can you find that balance? Use the brain that God gave you. Now, remember, I, I said this in, in a video earlier uh, this week. I said God's, in Timothy, the Bible says that God's not given us a spirit of fear and timidity. But instead, he's given us the spirit of power, of a sound mind. That means the ability to, to not panic and not freak out. I, I read a great quote from C.S. Lewis, and I would, I would challenge you to go check him out. He wrote about people's response to the atomic bomb. And I'm reading it, 
And you could, you could almost substitute the word coronavirus for atomic bomb, and it would have been so like applicable. He's like, I get it, you guys are scared, and it just seems like this is this impending thing, and you don't know where it's going to come from, and it can come in any minute. He goes, but why are you living your life just uh, so walking on eggshells, just waiting for the atomic bomb to drop? He goes, so what? So scientists have found one more way to kill us. Okay. He goes, do you not realize that you were born with, with, a, with an expiration date? The fact that you're going to die isn't a surprise. And this is what broke my heart as I was reading that, because he's so right. We all know that we're, we have a mortality. We all know that there's going to come a day when we take our last breath. And sometimes with pandemics, sometimes with bad news, sometimes with facing down a giant, we're just reminded of how quickly that, that end might come. And I'm not trying to make light of that. I think there's, a, there's some precautions we need to take, obviously, Precautions like not meeting together in a large group. Maybe there's some other things that we can do. I believe our church can step up in, in a lot of ways and respond uh, to love the people who are scared and who, who don't know what to do. This is an awesome opportunity for the people who know Jesus to demonstrate the peace that passes understanding. The Bible says that if you have Jesus Christ in your heart, then you don't have to panic. You don't have to freak. You don't have to, you don't have to go nuts and wonder what's coming next. You can, you can admit, you can acknowledge, man, it's tough. And this is not what I wanted. And this is not ideal. And this is not good. And I didn't want giants to be where we were heading. You, you can live in, in an honest state with a sound mind and go, yeah, that's not good. That's bad. And call out bad for what it is. The coronavirus is bad. The stuff that's going on in your personal life might be bad. The, the situation you find your finances in, they might be bad. Acknowledge it. But then instead of acting like everybody else, go forward going, I, I still believe that God's got a plan. I still believe that God's in control. And I can go forward with a confidence that says, Hey, whatever happens won't surprise God. And he says that he'll walk with me through the darkest valley. Proverbs 20, or Psalms 23, 4. Yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I'll fear no evil, for thou art with me. You're going to be with me, God? I don't have to freak out. Here's the truth. The worst case scenario is that I get the virus and I die and I go to heaven. Don't get me wrong, I'm not morbid, I don't have a death wish, but because I, I have security in something greater than just what's right here, that's not that big a deal. I don't want that, but I can go forward going, God, in, if it's your will, whatever happens, happens, but use me as best, I, as best as you can. I'll do as best as I can to be used by you to love the people around me, to bring peace and calm and love and to chill out. And to say, God, let me, let me demonstrate compassion. If that means I'm going to wash my hands 500 times, I'll do that. And if that means I go out of my way to go buy groceries for somebody who, who, is, who has to stay at home, then I'm going to do that. If that means, God, that I'm going to have to spend some time loving on a person who is so scared and worried, then I'm going to, out of, out of compassion for them, the same way you had mercy and grace for me, I'm going to share love and try to bring peace and joy to a situation that seems pretty dark. Remember, it's in the book of Matthew. Matthew chapter 5, verse number 14 through 16, Jesus says, you're, the, you're supposed to be the light of the world. 
Like a city that sits on a hilltop, your light shouldn't be hidden. You, you can't be hidden. No one lights a lamp and then puts it under a basket. Instead, a lamp is placed out on a nightstand where it gives light to everyone. I know Bobby's going to put some verses, so I'm imagining the verses are right here. Everyone, <laughs> everyone, in the same way, let your good deeds shine out for all those to see that everyone will praise your heavenly Father. In the middle of darkness, we're supposed to be Caleb and Joshua. In the middle of everybody else not knowing what to do, we're supposed to be the light that shines because it's scary. Now, here's the truth. Just two nights ago, the power went out in, in Sandwich in the Forestdale area where I live. I mean, every light went out. The whole, every, every, I looked out the window. Every house was dark. It was pitch black. And it just so happened that my kids were in the bathtub when that happened. And if there's a room that's extra dark, it's, it's a bathroom when the lights go out. They're in the bathtub, and the lights go out, and they are just, they are so scared. Because you couldn't see your hand in front of your face. It was just pitch black. And I, I remember hearing them, you know, calling for me. And, I, and, and my thought was, man, I felt so bad for them to be so scared and to not know what to do and, and where to turn and, 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 and how they must have just been sitting there waiting for their father to come rescue them. Do you understand that that's the world we live in right now? You know how many people, probably some of the ones that you're watching this video with, or that are in the house next to yours, that are living in darkness. Do not look down your nose, do not be cynical, do not mock them for being scared that it's dark. Instead, be a light. Instead of looking and, and being annoyed that everybody is, is panicked about coronavirus or instead of being annoyed that one of your family members is, is in despair over a brokenness in their life, instead of getting mad at your parents or your kids or your teacher or your friends because their life is falling apart and they're not doing something to fix it, why don't you stop and look at the fact that God says you're supposed to be the light in that dark situation. You're not being a light when you're sitting there going... I wouldn't do that. I can't believe, I can't believe they're doing that. Why would they post that? That's the stupidest thing to post. None of that is helpful. Instead, be the light that God has called you to be. Instead, be the one who brings a change about. Here's what I'd like to see from our church. And if you're watching this or listening to the podcast and you're, you're not a part of Harbor, you're just trying to check out what's going on, maybe you're just looking for some encouragement, maybe you're trying to figure out if you believe in God, I'm so glad you're listening. I, I hope that you'll, you'll resonate with the fact that God loves you. He wants, he wants to bring you out of darkness into light. He wants to give you a hope. He wants to give you a future. I hope that you'll claim the, the promise where God says that if you'll invite Jesus Christ into your life, not only do you get forgiveness, but you, you get a hope and a future. You get a home in heaven so that you can rest assured that it doesn't matter how bad it gets. In the end, you win. You get heaven. I hope that that's the decision you come to, but I, I don't want you to feel any pressure for what I'm about to say next. For those of you that already know Jesus, especially those of you that claim Harbor Church as your home church, I think that this next couple of weeks is an amazing opportunity for the church to flourish. But we're, we, we don't get to do all the things that we normally do. We don't get to meet together and have all the, the, all the energy and all of us you know, coming together in the big room filled with people. And listen, nobody loves that more than me. 
I would have been killing it with some jokes today if there was a lot of people in this room. <laughs> Probably not. But I, I, I know that selfishly, I wanted to have everybody in here. And yet God says that the church will prosper, that he loves his bride, the church, so much that the gates of hell can't prevail against it. That there's nothing that's going to stop the church. Now, maybe the church doesn't always get to look the way we want it to look, but we've talked about this. The church has never been a building. The church is all of the people. The people willing to take time out of a Sunday morning to sit and watch a, a message online. The people that are willing to now go and be a light, and be a peace, be a joy in their community and their families. Here's what I'd like for us to do. I'd like for us to be intentional about being available to the people that are hurting around us. In the next few weeks, there's going to be some people, especially the elderly, people with compromised immune systems, they're going to be quarantining themselves. They're going to be trying to stay away from uh, what could be a very deadly disease that's outside and, and, and around them. They're going, to, they're going to be really in need of staying away from a lot of people. And some of you, you're, you don't have that fear. You don't have that concern. You're able to actually get out and go shopping. You're able to go out and run errands. What if you made yourself available to some of the people who can't do that? So here's what I'd like to, to, to see us do. If you're listening to this, even if you don't go to Harbor Church, and uh, maybe you're, you're not even familiar with our church, you're just checking this out, and you live in the South Shore or on Cape Cod, um, here's what I'd like to say. If you're locked in, if you, if you can't get out, maybe you're, um, you're, you're trying to, to stay hunkered down because you, you need to for your health, but you need some errands run. Maybe you need somebody to go to the grocery store for you. Maybe somebody to take your dog to the vet. Whatever it is, those errands, let us know. We want to help. We want to be the kind of church that loves their community, that comes alongside. So if you need some help during this tough time, I want you to send an email to info at harborchurch.com. That's info at harborchurch.com. Or you can call this phone number. We actually uh, prefer text. So if you like to text, text this phone number uh, below and let us know what your need is. And for those of you that call Harbor Church your home, let us know that you're available to do this. Some of you just found that you've got a lot more free time for the next couple of weeks. Yeah, do what you need to do. Catch up on some of the lists around the house. But how about you also say, hey, I've got three hours on these couple days to go run errands. I'll go to this grocery store for somebody. I'll go love on somebody. I'll go take care of something for them. And step out. And why don't we use this, this what seems like a problem, as instead to be this potential opportunity to bless God's going to bless his church as long as we do what we're supposed to do. And remember what God told us to do? He told us very simply, love God, love others. Love God, love others. There is no but in there. Love God, love others, but don't do that if there's a, a virus. But don't do that if it costs you something. But you can ignore them and be selfish if it makes it easier on you. There is no but. Just love God, love others. And what we get to do right now is we get to love others in a way that says, how can I help? And we get to love God in a way that says we trust him more than we trust all the fears that people have. There is something that smacks the face of a merciful, awesome, omnipotent, omniscient God when the people that he created believe more in the fear and the panic that's around them than in the God that gave them the life that they have. So let's not be like that. And let me encourage you with these closing verses. Psalms chapter 9, verse number 10 says it this way. Those who know your name will put their trust in you. For you, Lord, 
for you have not forsaken those who seek you. Harbor, person listening to this, maybe you don't go to Harbor. Be the kind of person, be the man, be the woman that seeks the Lord and understand that he promises he will not forsake you. He will not let you go through this alone. He said he'll walk with you through it. And then he makes another promise. In Romans chapter 15, verse number 13, it says, I pray that God, the source of hope, our hope doesn't rest in our government. Our hope doesn't rest in ourselves, in our brains, in our ability to figure things out. Our hope doesn't rest in five bottles of Purell, okay? Our hope rests in God. That It says, I pray that God, the source of your hope, will fill you completely with joy and peace do you know what everything around us is missing right now? Joy and peace. It's all panic and anger and frustration. We're missing the joy and peace. And he says, I want you to be filled with joy and peace. But he caveats it this way. Because you're an awesome person. No, read the verse. To be filled with joy and peace because you trust him. To be filled with that because you trust him. Then you will overflow with the confident hope through the power of the Holy Spirit. You will overflow with the confidence, the hope that, man, there's something happening here. I do not have to be afraid. I'm not loving everything that's going on. I acknowledge that it's not great. I acknowledge that this project or this struggle or this issue isn't what I want, but I can have a confidence in the Holy Spirit that says, if I trust God, then I can look at the worst situation, the worst remodel, the worst redesign, the worst pandemic, the worst whatever situation that's going on. I can look at it with a peace. I hope some of you right now at home, as you're sipping your coffee, can go, man, it's nice just to let some of that fall off my shoulders. Whew, this would be the best Sunday we ever had. Sermon in your PJs and then just letting the world fall off your shoulders. Just that peace and that joy that says, man, God's got this. What a great opportunity for our church, for God's church, for his people all over this planet to demonstrate what it looks like for people to put their hope in something bigger than themselves. I pray that you would do that maybe for the very first time right now. Put your hope in him. Or maybe on a, much, on a much different level saying, God, I'm going to put my hope in, in you in regards to and then name a specific prayer. Maybe it's something I haven't even said today or maybe it's something I touched on. God, I'm going to trust you with my marriage. God, I'm going to trust you with my kids. I'm going to trust you with this, this health issue I've got. God, I'm going to trust you with that friendship that uh, I burned the bridge years ago, but I want to make it right. God, I'm going to trust you with letting go of this hurt that I'm struggling with. God, I'm going to trust you with these, these fears that are, that are consuming me, with this anxiety that's wrapping me up. God, I'm going to trust you. So whether it's for the first time or whether it's to get real right now as things kind of seem heavy, let's go to prayer. Let's go in prayer to God and just ask him, would, God, would you do something in our lives? Let me pray for you. Dear Heavenly Father, Lord God, thank you for today. Thank you for the opportunity. God, for the technology that we can still talk about you and read your word and come around what it is that you've called us to. God, thank you for all that you've done for us and for for providing an opportunity for us to still worship together as a church, to still uh, 
just cling to your promises. God, you've, you've brought us to the promised land. You've given us so much uh, instructions and, and guidance for what you have for us. And so often we just, we panic. We come up with all the, all the buts, all the reasons, all the excuses, all the giants that we see. And we don't focus on your promise that you've given it to us, that, that you're in control. So many times, God, we, we fail to be reminded of that. We fail to give you the credit and the honor that you deserve for being God. And Lord, we know that you're not surprised by all the stuff that the news is freaking out about. God, we know that you're not caught off guard by the things that we personally are struggling with. God, you know our fears even when we don't admit them. I know there's a lot of people trying to pretend like they're not afraid right now. And God, yet you know, you know what it is that we struggle with. You know what it is that we worry about. And you also acknowledge, Lord, that it's not about us not having those fears. It's about us being willing to admit that we have them and then cast them on you to, to not try to live in denial, but to say, man, God, we don't know what to do with these giants, but you know what to do with them. And that if we cast our cares on you, if we give you those fears that they're not too big for you, that you've got a plan. And so, God, I pray for the person under the sound of my voice, the person that's hurting right now, the person that's not sure what they're supposed to do. God, I pray that in this moment, they would just open up their life to invite you in, to trust you more. God, I pray that they would let down their, their need to be in control, to call the shots, and that they would trust you behind the wheel of their life. God, would all of us today be reminded of all that you've done for us, all that you're working through us to do, and God, would you create more and more opportunities for people to see the love of Jesus just by the way we act, by the way we share, by the way we reach out. God, we ask for this in your precious and holy name. Amen. If you'd like to support the ministries of Harbor as we bring the hope of Jesus to our community and around the world, you can visit harborchurch.com give or text any amount to 84321. Thanks for listening. See you next week.